Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. This is the plan that I have repeatedly warned about to take the tools of oppression used to tackle the coronavirus and use them all, lockdowns, forced business closures, exclusion zones, isolation. We heard, we heard Angela Marsden earlier, businesses shut down, isolation at home, all of that, all of those measures, including destroying private property rights and private income in order to tackle the climate crisis. Now is the historical moment, the time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system. We have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. It is an opportunity we have never had before and may never have again. So we must use all the levers we have at our disposal, knowing that each and every one of us has a vital role to play. The Great Reset is a welcome recognition that this human tragedy must be a wake-up call. It is imperative that we reimagine, rebuild, redesign, reinvigorate and rebalance our world. Rebalancing investment, harnessing science and technology, and advancing the transition to net zero emissions, all elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. And that last one was the clown Guterres, who was at the Climate Ambition Summit, telling us the world is going to cook by three and a half degrees or something by the end of the century. Yeah, right. This Great Reset is as serious and as dangerous a threat to our prosperity, to your prosperity and your freedom, as we have faced in decades. With these powerful bodies, including the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund and even Prince Charles boasting, yes, boasting that within a few short years, yes, their words, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Greetings, hushlings, hushtillions and hustronauts. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our fellow bonesman, Slick Frank Sanders. Hey, Slick Frank Sanders here. Hey, we are live. Live. Hell yeah. For our 40th debriefing and our fourth live show, we are investigating Agenda 21, an action plan created by the United Nations in regard to sustainable development and allegedly willing to depopulate the Earth by 90%. Riveting. We'll also be joining the Brotherhood of Death, or Skull and Bones, which is a senior class secret society created in 1832 at Yale University in, you guessed it, Gunwaven, New Haven. It's always popping off in New Haven. Always. <laughs> but before we go through our ritual hazing, make sure to follow us on all social media. If you are here, you might be part of our Facebook, our Twitter, or our Instagram. And the official website of the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, www.hushhushsociety.com, where you can find all of our debriefings, our declassified discussions, cryptid chronicles, uh, some blogs, our news, as well as the ability to leave us the ever-coveted review. We do appreciate those. 
Hushlings are official merch store is back up and running and as promised we have tons of new designs available in sick colorways and tons of price points all the sizes you got to go check them out they're looking pretty fly they are nice some of the new designs for sure hell yeah we kept a couple of the old ones some of the better ones and obviously added a bunch of new ones right now yeah check them out they're Decently priced, they got great designs, fun designs, fun stuff. You can also subscribe to our Patreon, which we have two wonderful tiers to choose from, the Hustronaut tier at $3 or the Hushling tier at $5, which are all packed with exclusive segments from the Frock Factor to Mystery Mike's Erotica, which is truly amazing. Silky smooth. (laughs) Silky (laughs) Sensual. It's it's a delicious episode. You guys should definitely check out the Hushling tier. It's delicious. That's not the way I would describe it. Oh, there's no other way. You kind of you kind of want to take like a like a bath afterwards or something, or like a hot shower. <laughs> hot shower. Yeah. Maybe maybe a cold shower. Who knows? Cleanse your soul. Probably more of a cold shower. It's gonna hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, why don't you tell everybody about the exclusive debriefing that we're gonna have over on our Patreon this month? Oh, absolutely. So on Patreon, as promised, we are going to have exclusive Patreon debriefings. We'll be releasing those every third Thursday of each month. And this week, we'll be getting into the suspicious death of famed grunge icon Kurt Cobain. That'll be dropping Thursday, January 20th. We did promise it if you caught our 27 Club debriefing. Oh, yes, we did. And I cannot wait to get into it. (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. And like we said, we got the front factor over there. We got the Cryptid Erotica. And now releasing these debriefings, $3, $5, that's, that's worth it. I'd say so. You get some physical goodies also, you know, stickers. Get the swag. T-shirts, you know, the usual. Uh, Just a little reminder that our X-Files watch party will now be available for everyone. So we originally only gave it to patrons, but we wanted to open it up to everyone. Not all of our patrons have Discord, so we wanted to really build a community around this whole thing. Come watch the X-Files with us. We will start with Episode 1, Season 1 work our way through it weekly, and you'll get to chat with us. We'll be able to shoot the shit and have fun, and you can easily find our Discord link on our website, hushhushsociety.com, in the top navigation bar right off to the right. Very easy to find. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to take like 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, like I said, community, you want to build. Two start off our episode, we're going to get into a recap of season four. As you know, this is the finale. So real quick, just to keep it short and sweet, what we're going to do is we're going to do a short one sentence quick thought on the recap of each episode for season four. We should have done quick one word answers like super fast. (laughs) Exhilarating. Yeah. Good. (laughs) First episode of season four, opened it up with a banger simulation theory. Absolutely mind-blowing. Definitely one of the crazier episodes, research-wise and not. But the biggest thing for me on that one was the amount of GPU power it would take to run a simulation. Mm. It was mind-boggling. I would say, regarding the simulation theory episode... We could easily do probably another two or three parts. I would love to revisit it. 
our next debriefing in 32nd, we did the secret space program. This one was one of my favorites with the whole maybe us having a breakaway civilization somewhere else and already being on hollow moon and fake Mars. Lots of fun. Good one. Enjoyed that one a lot. I liked recording that episode a lot, and I'm excited to dig deeper into the subject as I feel like there's a lot more information to be had with it. Actually just got a book, Dark Fleet. Gonna crack that bitch open very soon and get more into the secret space program. I was actually going to mention the same thing. Frank actually grabbed me a copy of Dark Fleet, and I am getting into it. I'm in the, I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the meat of the sandwich. Oh, yeah? Very interesting stuff. It's wild because a lot of it feels kind of like sci-fi-ish, but you got to stick with it. It's a great book, though, so far. Then we looked into the Salem Witch Trials. This is when we got into Hushtober. We were around the October era. I would say for this episode, something new, something different for us, and it was super interesting getting into the history, and a lot of it we kind of already knew just because we're all from New England. Salem is a, a stone's throw, but Definitely uh, cool to go through the history of dark times. I have to agree that it was something we all kind of knew about, but we all learned some things that were shocking throughout it. What people actually were accused of and the grounds that they went by with it, it was very strange and lots of paranoia, kind of just creepy happenings. Just to elaborate on what you said a little bit, because I kind of feel the same way, like we all already knew about the Salem Witch Trials, but it was it was more so of like a learning experience for me. There was a lot of stuff to be found out about the Salem Witch Trials that I had no idea what was even going on, even though we had that broader view of it. In mid-October or so, we released our Skinwalker Ranch debriefing. This was a great one, especially because I had watched the entire Skinwalker Ranch docuseries <laughs> shortly prior to, to recording that. So really digging deeper into the subject was pretty fun. Yeah, Skinwalker Ranch was one of the better episodes for me this season. I really enjoyed getting into all the paranormal stuff that happened around the ranch, uh, stuff that involved UAPs, a little bit of everything. Yeah, Skinwalker Ranch was was a good one. I thought I knew a lot about it, but a lot of the paranormal stuff that happened with it, if you've listened to the episode we talked about, the giant wolf, that was some weird shit. That was one story that I had no idea about Skinwalker Ranch. I was, I was always in the notion of UFOs and weird medical things happening, a lot from some of the documentaries that are out and docuseries that are out. Well, we pretty much capped off Hushtober a little bit into November with some demonic possession murders, a little bit out of the box for us. And my most memorable moment of that was the Michael Taylor case who cut off his wife's face and like ripped out the dog's eyes and tongue or whatever. That was oh, yeah. just some wild shit. <laughs> The thing that I liked the most about the Demonic Possession Murders episode was that it was just outside of what we typically do. It was a really nice, comfortable change of pace from the content that we normally produce, which made it just that much more fun to record. And it was cool to get into these like religious sort of concepts and these demonic ideologies that we could kind of banter about. It was, it was fun. I was super interested in it because I had just saw the Conjuring movie, like the latest Conjuring movie, and that pretty much goes into the story of Arnie Johnson. 
the Ernie Cheyenne Johnson story was very on point for me. It was great to see what the actual story was versus the movie, because obviously the movie kind of uh, went off the books a little bit, but for dramatic effect. Oh, then we got into Heaven's Gate. Oh my. I will say of Heaven's Gate, <laughs> it was probably the most fun slash funny episode that we did of the season, and I thoroughly enjoyed going over the sad story of this cult. Yeah, Heaven's Gate, we were a little out of pocket, but typical for us. <laughs> I thought we created some good jokes and puns throughout that episode that are going to stick with us forever, like we've done in Titanic and our tasteful Princess Diana episode. Oh, um, God. <laughs> <laughs> but Heaven's Gate was definitely a heavy one. But man, there was a lot of weird things about that, especially for me, a big portion of it was the biggest question of, what the hell was that landlord thinking? Renting out <laughs> the, the house? To, to, yeah, yeah, to 40 people that are uh, this guy's angels. Hushlings, if you get to watch anything, we, we go really in-depth in this episode if you haven't listened to it, but if you get to watch anything about Heaven's Gate, especially some of the speeches, yeah, good grief. The final video. Oof. Oh, man. Crazy, crazy stuff. Heaven's Gate, man. That that was a great episode to record. As tragic as that whole entire situation was, it was an absolute blast to record that. That was very good. We got some uh, good merchandise coming out that pertains to Heaven's Gate pretty soon. So stay tuned. Maybe we'll make it a Patreon-only t-shirt. Mm. Mm. Send it to the patrons. Yeah, it's good. Well, we did a two-parter, which hasn't been done in over a year since we did the Vatican episodes, we did September 11th, which was a totally long-awaited episode for us. And we talked about pretty much as much as we could talk about in two hours, but we could have totally done more and more. There's so much to it. It wasn't very hard to do. We've talked about these topics so many times. Now it was just articulating it out in the way that everyone would enjoy. Not that it's the most <laughs> enjoyable topic, yeah. but I enjoyed doing both of those parts. I think everyone, everyone that I had spoken to that had listened to it were jazzed, pleased, <laughs> pleased. I guess you guys did a good job talking about tons of mass death. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, we did get a couple people that reached out to us about that episode or the double episode and said that we handled it pretty well, got all the information out. And that's really what we aimed for with that one. We weren't trying to be our usual joking selves, but we just tried to get the information out and at the end of it all, let you make up your own thoughts on what really happened or what you think might have really happened. So for me, it was enjoyable. 9-11 part one and two is, it's interesting because it's such an OG conspiracy theory. It's like, you know, you say conspiracy theorist and 9-11 is one of those things that comes to mind. And we pushed it back and pushed it back and pushed it back because it had to be gone about in a very responsible and approachable way where, like you guys said, we deliver the information without crossing over this line that we typically cross over. So it, it was a really good practice of like self-control and being mature and delivering this sort of subject. Agreed. In our closing episode of season four, we hit a hushling suggested episode, which was the 27 Club. Now, this one was an absolute blast to get into everything from the origins, that folktale of how the club started, 
all being tied to this satanic, ritualistic sort of idea, following through the lives and deaths of these beloved music and pop culture industry icons. It was just a very interesting episode to research and to put together. It was an episode that we had been contacted about a few times, I would say as early as probably season two, we got a couple messages on it. So when the hushlings speak, we listen. So we said, let's do the 27 Club, and it was a good choice. I enjoyed doing it, the whole meet the devil at the cro- down at the crossroads part and the mm-hmm. introduction and the lore of where it might have started. I had known about some of the most prominent members. And like we said before, we are going to be covering in depth with Kurt Cobain and his death before the end of his 27th year. Some of the ones that were really compelling to me, like Jimi Hendrix. If you had listened to the episode, the type of alcohol he had in him, this low ABV, low you know blood alcohol level, but mm. it was very interesting and compelling stuff. Some, I mean, all all of them, nonetheless, tragic. CIA very, did it. Yeah, Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> well, in season four, we also had some bangers for guests. I really enjoyed our guests this season, starting with mm. Mr. Ben Hansen. We had a short but sweet one with him. He went over his show, UFO Witness. We went over the latest show, Alien Invasion, Hudson Valley. And I thought that conversation, was, for as short as it was, it was great. He gave us a lot of insight, especially with RH blood types and the people that live in Hudson Valley. It was very informative. Really enjoyed that one. And that was, whew, that was, that took some taking to get him on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. I was very excited to have him on. And I'm, as like I said, as short as it was, he did throw out some stuff that kind of blew my brain up just, you know, just a little bit. Like you mentioned the blood types and the proximity, and you don't really think about the geography and the location of where you're at in UFO sightings or like a mass amount of people seeing that or abductions in the in his case, what he was talking. So awesome to have somebody on that's also worked with plethora of other people that are as smart as him in the same field. Mm. For me, it was just like such an honor to be able to talk to this dude because I grew up watching Factor Faked after school every day for like four years. Like that was my <laughs> show after school every day. And to actually be able to have a conversation with this dude was like mind blowing to me, despite how difficult it was to like have that conversation with him, to get him to have that conversation with us. It was an amazing experience. Literally months. (laughs) Months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Our second declassified discussions was awesome as well. We had Georgina Rose on, who Mm. is a podcaster and has a YouTube channel uh, called Dat Darling. And she's like a ceremonial practitioner and an occultist. And she talks about this kind of pseudo-religion of Thelema. And a lot of stuff, astrology and a lot of that. I didn't know anything what I was getting into when we started talking to her. And she was just just a fascinating conversation. Mm. It was completely different from what we normally do. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It was sort of outside of the wheelhouse and the fact that it's not necessarily stuff that we typically go over. So it was more of like her teaching us more so than us like having a conversation. I felt like obviously there was that bounce back of conversation and us asking questions and whatnot. But a lot of the stuff that she brought to the table, I had no idea of. And that was the coolest part about it to me. I like talking about Alistair Crowley and she had a lot of history 
regarding him and his involvement in Thalema and occultism. That, to me, was probably the best part of that information that she gave us uh, was about Aleister Crowley. And in our most recent declassified discussion, we got the chance to have a conversation with Matt Landman. Now, Matt is the owner and creator of Sparrow Gear which is EMF radiation blocking clothing. That conversation was absolutely amazing. And the backstory to how he came up with it and the research that he did was just absolutely incredible. And he is very passionate about his company and building it up. And it was inspirational more than anything. Yeah, the conversation with him, how he came up with it, and the stuff about in parts in Asia where they were already adapting certain things. I believe we posted a clip of it, his talk on like how breast cancer happens with certain radiations with cell phones. I mean, he, he, was, he was another one that I was very excited to have on, and he did not disappoint. I think that interview was actually very important when it comes to to health and these different EMFs and and 5G waves that you don't think about and the way that they affect your sleep patterns and the way that you live and the way that they affect your body. It's just crazy to even think about thankful that he had all that information. Makes me think completely differently about where I put my phone at night. (laughs) Absolutely. And of course... Let's not forget our great podcast friends for joining us by the fire during our Cryptid Chronicles this season. We discussed the Duende with our buddy Steve from Flix X-Raid Podcast. Make sure to check out his show. I was on it. And also we discussed the Loch Ness Monster with Chrissy and Shelby of Pentacles and Tentacles Podcast. Thank you, girls. We had so much fun. Those were both a lot of fun, as are most of our Cryptid Chronicles. I think the Twin Day, we had probably the most fun. Uh, <laughs> we got a little obscene, which is nothing new for us. And Loch Ness Monsters, who, who doesn't want to talk about Loch Ness Monster? We had a great conversation with them. Very laid back, very loose, very enjoyable episodes. Couple beers. Oh, yeah. Couple beers. Tossing them back by the fire, boy. How many beers did you have today? doctor said i can have one one beer before two (laughs) o'clock all right boys what say you we get into a little agenda 21 hey man that's why we're here let's do it let's do it let's do it all righty hushling strap in in 1992 178 nations gathered to vote on a plan that would drastically shape earth's inhabitants not earth's shape but its inhabitants (laughs) on a planetary global flat scale. This plan consisted of ways that the government from local and national level can combat poverty, pollution, while conserving all of the natural resources that we can get from one fucking asteroid. (laughs) (laughs) It's been called the most dangerous threat to humankind. The anti-human manifesto that, in the name of establishing a one-world order, takes aim at Western civilization and eventually the entire planet, ushering in a new dark epoch of suffering and sorrow unprecedented to humanity. Bum, bum, bum. Sounds horrific already. (laughs) (laughs) We're just really setting the dark scene for you. There are organizations, authors, and advocates that are dedicated to stopping it, and politicians have been unseated for supporting it. Interesting. The question is... Is it nefarious? Well, author Glenn Beck has spent a good portion of his career making people scared of it and published a dystopian science fiction novel in 2012 
called Agenda 21, which is a version of America where mating partners are arranged, children are raised away from their parents in group homes, and the book's heroine spends hours walking on a sort of treadmill that generates energy in an apartment in a planned community. <laughs> Can you imagine Jeez. if that's what you have to do to have electricity? You just have to walk all day. Hamster on the wheel, man. Like, yeah, yeah man. hamster with a gun to your head. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Glenn Beck is perhaps the most well-known face of the modern anti-21 agenda movement. He has leveraged a lot with his presence, particularly on Fox News and his tenure on there. And he's connected with certain types of audiences. Whoever that may be watching Fox News could be anybody. (laughs) It's running in the background currently. He's quoted saying, those pushing government control on a global level have mastered the art of hiding in plain sight and then just dismissing it as a joke. You silly conspiracy theorists. And he also said in 2011, while waving a copy of this 294-page Agenda 21 document on his show, ranting and raving, Alex Jones style. uh, A lot of desk banging. Yeah, fist (laughs) on the desk. (laughs) Speaking of desk banging, I just saw the best Skittles commercial where the guy bangs (laughs) the desk and they all turn to Skittles. I thought you were going to say you just saw the best porn. Oh, (laughs) desk banging. (laughs) Desk banging. (laughs) (sighs) Featuring Alex Jones. Oh. <laughs> Just <laughs> glistening and sweaty. <laughs> Stop. Glenn Beck also stated, quote, once they put their fangs into our communities and suck all the blood out of it, we will not be able to survive. Are you still not sure what Agenda 21 is? You may not be alone as we dive a little bit deeper into the subject. Author Tom DeWeese was one of the first to jump down the throat of the United Nations plan. Mm, And he was. Because in 1998, DeWeese founded the American Policy Center, a group based in Remington, Virginia, that focuses on, quote, environmental policy and its effect on private property rights. And, quote, the United Nations and its effect on American national sovereignty. Talk about private property rights for a second. You will own nothing and be happy. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what uh, what Klaus Schwab said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure to a T, yeah. Good old Klaus. Environmental policy and its effect on private property rights. Which means, let's say that you have some chickens <laughs> in your backyard. You got a couple chickens that you're raising, and they're just shitting everywhere. That's not good for the environment, so we're going to seize your chickens and your land. Uh, and your wife and your kids, and we're going to give you uh, a treadmill <laughs> to run on for the rest of your life. Eyebrow raiser right there. Hell yeah. Part of the Agenda 21 that a lot of people don't realize is that like, a lot of the plan involves moving people out of rural areas. So let's say that you have a piece of land that's out in the woods and you know, you're self-sustainable, obviously. They hate self-sustainability and move those people into dense cities for easier containment of the population. That's why you see so much governmental regulation and laws and rules put into effect about how you play with your land and how you farm and you can't collect rain and you can't do this and you can't do that, even on your own piece of land. This is wild. Yeah. So, I mean, those things kind of line up. Take care of your chickens. Realistically, no. Deweese goes on and described Agenda 21 as a, quote, blueprint to turn your community into a little Soviet Union. 
basically just one person owns everything and tells you what the fuck to do. Um, I only wear red. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of it is promoted by non-governmental organizations. So people with that cashola and they pressure the governments to enforce it. Sound familiar? Mm. And according to Deweese, he also is quoted to say, it all means locking away land, resources, making higher prices, and sacrificing things, and there will be shortages based on the age-old socialist scheme of redistribution and wealth. End quote. Doesn't that sound so nice? Hmm. Sounds glorious. <laughs> Our figurehead anti-21 Deweese continues to speak about the dangers of Agenda 21 well into the 21st century, often making appearances on news networks which fit nicely with the Tea Party movement. The American Policy Center was just the first of many anti-Agenda 21 organizations to spring up in the past 15 years or so. This one is deep and broad. Before we move on, I feel like we should kind of recap what Agenda 21 really entails. Hmm. It was something that was brought forward during the Bush administration. Eventually, come 1993, President Bill Clinton comes into office and he kind of revisits it. He goes on to form a presidential council, which he would eventually put into every state in the country. And what the plan entails is both, like we said, both local and statewide and nationwide, things that you can do for, quote, sustainability. But the language of the plan is so ambiguous that it could literally mean anything. Like, you have two cars. Why do you have two cars? You don't need two cars. So they'll take away a car from you. That seems little to some people, seems a lot to other people, but there is no guiding line of where that stops. Of where that reach stops, there's no end to it. This eventually would move us from individual nation states into, buzzwords, a one-world government, where the UN and who they deem qualified would tell you what you can do, what you can do with your land, what you can do with your house, how you eat, how you feed your family. It doesn't stop. Which treadmill you're on? Which treadmill you're on. <laughs> hey, man, it's it's all in the name of the environment, all right? Just, yeah. just bend over, let it happen. Mm. Let it happen. Mm-hmm. It's for the environment. Global warming. (laughs) They're turning my chickens gay. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. Matt Landman talks about Agenda 30, 2030. Mm -hmm. And he didn't talk too, too much on it, but he he had mentioned it that with this 5G and chemtrails, you really got to listen to the whole episode and and devote some time because it's going to sound really stupid for me to regurgitate it back. Agenda 2030, a, a continuation of this There are some things that may coincide with this whole thing that some conspiracy theorists and other folks investigating it, advocates that we've talked about, have taken some time of their lives to look into. And one of those big points would be FEMA camps. Mm. I'm sure you all have heard of FEMA camps and or, I guess, as they would call them, fusion centers or residential housing facilities, a place where you can go, but you can't leave. But it's not a prison. (laughs) It's not a prison, but you can't leave. (laughs) No, no. And they talk in depth on this. If anybody's ever seen the show Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura, he has Alex Jones on the show. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) And on the fourth episode of season two, they talk about the police state and how some of the governments are preparing for martial law. And we're kind of seeing a little bit of that in certain areas of the world right Mm -hmm. now. 
and how they had coined the term there's fusion centers and you can go in bring a bag and you can't leave whenever the fuck you want so and that they're eventually going to start rounding up united states citizens or un citizens at this point right who are deemed a threat to national security and some of these residential housing facilities also have been known to have i believe there's one i believe the one they were talking about was in georgia where that's just a stockpile of they look like big black planters and they're giant coffins presumably hundreds of thousands of them you know uh it kind of brings up a recent video that has kind of gone viral there's been a couple of them i don't know if you've, you guys have probably seen them but there's videos of guys that are working in warehouses and there are just pallets and pallets and pallets and pallets of body bags you know some people would argue oh well we need body bags there's a lot of people that die every day but the body bags and i hate to say it kind of started showing up just before COVID hit. Each one of the bags had like 10 body bags per box, and there were probably 150 boxes per pallet. And there were probably, I mean, the pallets went on for the entire length of the warehouse. It's scary. Honestly, we did see some of that in the beginnings of this pandemic in early 2020, where they were just throwing bodies into temporary grave sites outside of hospitals mm. and in trailers. And Oh, the tractor trailer video freaked me out when I saw that at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, has that stopped out of the hospitals here? There's no protocol ET white tents. You're talking about like the refrigeration trucks that they were showing? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have no place to put the bodies and all this. Yeah. Mm. You were just speaking of Georgia, and there is actually uh, more to it in Georgia. Agenda 21 often brings up the subject of the Georgia Guidestones. Now, if you don't know what the Georgia Guidestones are, it's a granite monument that was erected in 1980 in Elbert County, Georgia. And on them, they have a list of rules to maintain sustainability and equalization of the human race, pretty much, on Earth. And one of the rules etched into the stone there is maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. That's always been the one that's been sus out of the commands or whatever they want to call it on the Georgia Guidestones, considering what do we have? 7.8 billion, 7.7 .7 billion people on this planet. Yeah, and think about the time frame. So if, if it was erected in 1980, we were definitely over 500 million humans on this earth. You erect that in 1980, you're pretty much saying, hey, it's time to kill some people off. <laughs> I, got, I got to tone it down a little bit here. World population in 1980 was 4.4 billion. See, that's what I'm saying. It's really popped off since then, huh? 7.7 .7 billion as of 2020. Dude, breeding like rodents, man. Disgusting. We are the germ. <laughs> we are the virus. We are the virus. <laughs> we also have the aspect of pandemics and outbreaks that contributes to the Agenda 21 overview. In the last decade or so, we have seen several outbreaks, including the current pandemic, of COVID-19, which obviously began in late 2019 or early 2020, depending on what your source is, as well as Ebola in 2014, which is still ongoing, not nearly as badly or scary as it was back in 2014, but it's still there. We also have the H1N1 swine flu, which began in 2008 on into 2010, as well as the Zika virus, which was in 2015 and continues to go on. These pandemics and outbreaks, they're supposed to be contributing to the depopulation aspect of Agenda 2030 and minimizing the amount of people that they need to have on leashes. 
Well, the best way to do it is with viruses. They can easily be, as we've seen, built and put together inside of these labs and then quote-unquote accidentally released. And before you know it, you're three years into a pandemic and hundreds of thousands of people have died. Do you guys think that like H1N1 was, is there enough evidence as deliberate as what the current situation may be? We don't talk about it too much on the show, but we will, I'm sure. But clearly the situation seems more planned out and fabricated. Maybe we weren't paying attention in 2008, different times. Mm. I think it's something we'd have to go back and actually look at and see like what was going on around there. But obviously you can't compare it to what's going on now. Back then, you didn't have, oh, we're going to quarantine 100,000 people inside of these houses and never let them out and, you know, inside these camps and never let them live their lives. So it is a stark difference just based on those facts alone. And we were talking about FEMA camps, you know, that's currently happening in Australia. You have Australian citizens that are living in these almost like bunkhouses and they're not allowed to leave. And a lot of them don't have COVID, have never gotten COVID. They just are unvaccinated. If we have any Australian listeners, reach out to us. Email us. We love you. They're yes. a danger to the society. Yeah. Got to put them back in their camp. <laughs> Tell us that dingo with the baby story. <laughs> what? The dingo ate my baby. It's an Australian story about dingoes eating babies. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, all this goes hand in hand with current events, obviously, with us seeing lockdowns, our mandated vaccinations, get vaccinated or lose your job, microchips, and most definitely some freedoms are being wiped away from us. Speaking of that, I just saw that there is a company that is working on a digital passport that goes under your skin, almost almost like a chip, right? Right. Oh, mm-hmm. Wow. I've Did, seen this. You know, have you seen this? Yeah, have heard you about heard this? about this? I mean, there's so many conspiracy theorists out there that were saying, "Man, they're going to chip us. They're going to chip us." And then people were like, "No, you guys are crazy. Put your tinfoil hat on." And then, and now here we are. Smaller countries over in Europe starting to do it. Chip me harder, Daddy. Thank you, Shelby. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Daddy, may I have another? It's like the Nicolas Cage movie. He's like, right in the eye, right in the fucking eye. Just jab me in the fucking eye with COVID. <laughs> Have you seen on these these articles, the ones talking about this uh, new COVID vaccine passport chip? They're very, very, very persistent with assuring you that these chips are not tracking mm, you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And anybody that actually knows what's going on, I don't think that's what they're genuinely worried about. And if I'm wrong, please call me out. I don't think. That people that are aware of the situation are worried about being tracked. No. It's it's the control aspect of mm-hmm. it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's scary stuff. When man. we get into the final thoughts of Agenda 21, I will fucking rant. So be ready. <laughs> <laughs> we also have to take a look at weather events because obviously weather affects us in major ways across the planet with major wildfires, blizzards, floods, earthquakes, tornado outbreaks, heat waves, massive droughts, hurricanes damaging the world and killing thousands. Is it possible that we're living through a man-made depopulation event? And using the weather, hey, CERN popping up and HARP popping up and... It's decommissioned. Oh, yeah, it's decommissioned. It doesn't exist anymore. It's decommissioned. Nope. Hey, look over here. I got this shiny item. 
Nothing to see here, people. <laughs> Meanwhile, in China, they got a mile-wide beam going up into the into the <laughs> air to create clouds. Yeah. Oh, they don't modify the weather. Then you see, like, no. Dubai sends up 100,000 drones to excite the clouds to rain. <laughs> Tickle the clouds real fast. As yeah. I keep saying, these damn conspiracy theorists are making our life very difficult. They have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of this is the catastrophe that's not weather-related, but space weather-related, cosmic events. Could we have an asteroid or a comet or a fragment, which is, has, has hit us before, and could there be an actual fragment coming that we won't know about? Nobody will take anybody seriously, like in that movie, which everybody's just shitting their pants over. I, I just watched uh, it today. It's a perfect example of what the fuck would happen. The first half, I couldn't stand it. And then the second <laughs> half, I was like glued to the TV. <laughs> I just don't know what it was. It was just weird chemistry. It's complete satire. Really. Yeah, I don't know. Weird it, movements in that movie. I, I agree. Yeah. They'd probably end up not going public like that and telling us if there was something no. happening that was going to ultimately just fuck us to hell. They wouldn't tell anybody because that would cause panic. Yeah, yeah. Look at the current situation. Mm. There's no asteroid. <laughs> But there's, <laughs> there's as also, far as you know, yeah, as far as we know. But there's also something called Project Blue Beam that if some folks haven't heard about, we mentioned it loosely with 9-11, how the planes could have been a hologram. Maybe the government's powers that be could make a fake comet and make us all to believe that we're dying in a catastrophe, put us in heavier lockdowns, martial law, major false flag event. Mm. 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 Could you imagine they're just projecting a huge asteroid when, in fact, they're just nuking all of us? Yeah, yeah it's just a, it's a nuke with a little hologram around it. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's just like not that far fetched in my head. Like, I I don't think that's a ridiculous idea. I don't think so either. You know, personally, not to dive into Project Bluebeam too much, but I don't think they would put that much thought into it, honestly. I think they would launch a nuke and just like along the side of it, like a ticker, it would just say, this is an asteroid. This is an asteroid. This is an asteroid. <laughs> and people would be like, oh, yeah, there goes an asteroid ready to hit us. Fox News just showed the asteroid. <laughs> it's literally a, an atomic bomb. Yeah, that would be some shit. We also have the aspect of a UFO or alien invasion. The same can be said about aliens and UFO UAPs, which would be told by our governments if we were under an alien threat. <laughs> Tying further into the Project Bluebeam sort of trend of this. Well, you could have a fake alien invasion. Yeah. Or all the lizards will just rip their faces off in the Senate. and I can't wait for that day. They just they just rip their faces off and they're like, hello, it's going to be like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme, you know, where he's like sitting in the chair and he points at the TV. That's going to be literally yeah. all of us. Look, told you they were fucking lizards. <laughs> People are going to be losing their minds. <laughs> As we've started to do in season four. We like to take a look at the Reddit conspiracies, conspiracies that people are throwing around on Reddit. As far as it, as it comes to Agenda 21, I'll read the more bleak one, and then I will give you the one that'll make you laugh. So at least, uh, you know, a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down, right? 
This is someone <laughs> on Reddit, and the, these were their thoughts. It's kind of lengthy, but stick with me. Dude, uh, real quick before you get into that, I told Sienna about this today on our way to lunch, and she like, you know, I freaked her out. I know. I oh, freaked yeah. her this, out, man. Yeah, this, this, one actually, this one actually scared all three of us. So, uh, yes. because yeah. maybe because I stopped it, talking to you for 24 yeah, hours. Maybe because it makes so much sense. <laughs> So it has three different parts to it, and it says Agenda 21 Global Depopulation to reset the population to 500 mil, as we talked about with the Georgia Guidestones, per the Georgia Guidestones. In order to maintain a solid workforce, you have to have a compliant and healthy stock, without which you have nothing to rule. So COVID-19, how do you pick the stock you're going to keep? You weed out the bad genes through inoculation. Any genetic deformity is killed off, and only the, quote, perfect, whatever traits they may have, are left. You have magnetic reversal. So here the pieces start to fall in place. The Earth is on a 12,000-year cycle, as we've talked about before, with the sun, where an event happens consistently to wipe out massive portions of the population, as seen in the fossil records and ice core samples. We've talked about this uh, with Graham Hancock, or not with Graham Hancock, jeez, uh, but we we hope to at some <laughs> yeah, point. Graham Hancock, Randall Har Carlson talks about this. How's it done? Well, the powers that be make underground protected bases, dumbs, as we've talked about. Uh, we, we should get into dumbs at some point. Protected bases that will shield a large number, 500-ish million, of people from the catastrophe that will occur. They have a self-sustaining place with farms and artificial lighting and materials to build back quickly after a large EMP. But obviously you can't just let everyone in, so you use those who you deem perfect or healthy. The ones who have survived the continuous inoculations without getting sick or dying. And since these people have done as told, they are already conditioned to do what the powers that be tell them, and thus make a wonderful slave labor force. So, you refuse entry to those who refused inoculation because it's for everyone else's quote, safety and only save those who bend to your will. Then, when the catastrophe occurs, your 500 million will be saved, and most of the remaining people will be killed off during the magnetic excursion, thus bringing the population to a controllable 500 mil, and the powers that be are free to rule again. Agenda 21 complete. Yeah, that was fucking frightening. Yeah. Reddit people are into it, man. <laughs> they oh, yeah. dive deep. That's a scary one because uh, it kind of makes sense and, and plausible, if anything. I said I would I would end it on a happy note. Uh, <laughs> this Reddit conspiracy, uh, Frank found, and it is absolutely hilarious to me. <laughs> Impossible Burger. If you don't know what Impossible Burger is, it's the fake meat or the faux meat. Impossible Burger is an Agenda 21 conspiracy to make you give up meat. Because it lowers testosterone and cost-cutting measures. It doesn't have anything to do with the amount of cow farts. <laughs> no, like, no, it has uh, nothing to do with that. They just want to strip you of your manhood. Yep. yep. That's it. That's it. Yep. No more toxic masculinity. No. Yeah. You're only eating crickets from now on. <laughs> Dude, crickets aren't that bad. <laughs> Dude, I've only had those like cheesy little candied cricket things those chip ones that are in like the little boxes at, like, gift them. shops <laughs> yeah they're delicious Dude, they're yeah. literally just like potato chips oh well, you're one step away from getting <laughs> caught up into the impossible impossible burger hype no yep first it's crickets then it's impossible burgers yeah. <laughs>
Mike and I enjoyed a really good uh, Impossible Burger at a place called Lamp Power. Yeah, that's what they want you to do, Dave. That's what they want you to do. Well, we enjoyed them. All right, that's what I'm saying. Feeding right into it. I have yet to eat fake meat. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. Greetings, Hushlings. We travel back to Germany in the middle of World War II as we premiere Season 5. We are going to open the gates on an extremely sensitive subject of Holocaust denial or Holocaust revisionism. It is the attempt to negate the established facts of the Nazi genocide of European Jews. We explore all of the arguments. From the occult to Hitler's Aryan race, the death tolls, concentration camps, treatment of the captured Europeans themselves, and why some people think that this narrative of history is a lie. Join the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Monday, January 31st for Debriefing 41. For part one of Holocaust Denial. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Alright, Hushlings, we are going to get into the second half of the show, and we will be talking about Skull and Bones, right here in good old New Haven. Let's get it. Skull and Bones. This is a local one. This is a little bit more personal. Skull and Bones, also known as the Order... Order 322, or the Brotherhood of Death, is a secret society made up of students at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. The order was founded in 1832 after a dispute among Yale's debating societies, Lenonia, Brothers in Unity, and the Calliopean Society. That's a hard one to say. Over that season's Phi Beta Kappa awards by William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft, and 12 other members. I just see that being like a, like a musical or something. <laughs> Them just arguing <laughs> on stage in song about who's got the most spanky cult and dark cult. <laughs> the spankiest cult in all of the land. Daddy may have another. <laughs> and uh, most interestingly, some people believe Skull and Bones controls the CIA. There they are again while others link it as a branch of the Illuminati, seeking a current with the theme of this show, global totalitarian government. Some even credit them to killing Kennedy himself. Mm. Would you say Bush? Not JFK. <laughs> Was it from the Bush or from- from the, from the Bush by Bush. Just remember, Daddy Bush doesn't remember where he was when JFK was killed. Daddy. Big Papa Bush. <laughs> Big H Dub. <laughs> when the president was killed, there was a president that was an assassinated? I, I had no idea. He was in Dallas? Jeez. <laughs> That's so funny. No I, I've been to Dallas. <laughs> he was at Sonic getting a grilled cheese cheeseburger with the nerd milkshake. The... <laughs> <laughs> The history of these Skull and Bones, it's varied and long. It's one of the big three societies at Yale, the other two being Scroll and Key and Wolf's Head. Cool names, man. That's a badass one, yeah. And the society is owned by the Russell Trust Association. Hmm. Irony there, huh? Which owns the organization's real estate and oversees the membership as well as manages its assets. The society was informally known as Bones, 
and members are known as bonesmen, or members of the order, or initiated to the order. The first description of Skull and Bones, published in 1871 by Lamon Bagg in his book, Years at Yale. Imagine just what a diary. <laughs> I put on this cloak, and I was spanked with a paddle as hard as possible by 12 men. They made me eat. Twelve lit candles. <laughs> they poured wax on my bare chest. <laughs> they videotaped it and paid me afterwards. I don't know what I was in. <laughs> it was on high eight tapes. High eight. Well, there are some notable members that could be sus or not sus, however you see it. Sus or not sus. Yeah, and we do mention the CIA. There is a man named James Jesus Angleton. Jesus? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus? Who headed- Jesus Christos? <laughs> who headed CIA counterintelligence for nearly 20 years. It has become a cultural institution known for its powerful alumni, some of which being William Howard Taft, whose father, former Attorney General Alfonso Taft, co-founded Skull and Bones. It's kind of funny that William went by Magog, which meant he had the most sexual experience within the group. He was just slinging dong the whole time. Does that mean that he had like one experience which just so happened to be the most sexual or he has <laughs> the most experiences regarding sexual acts? It really makes you think. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to know too is did they call him Magog because he's slinging Magog everywhere <laughs> within the group? Or is it just his sexcapades outside the group at a, you know, Peppy's Pizza or something around the area? He just goes back to his dorm room with, with a girl. She's like, hey, you ready to get that Taft shaft? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kneel down, kneel down. The Magog's coming. <laughs> tell them, tell them that I know what I'm doing. Well, Lyman Spitzer, who dreamed up the Hubble Space Telescope and the Spitzer Space Telescope named after him, he was also a part of the Skull and Bones, McGeorge Bundy, who was one of JFK's advisors, Frederick Wallace Smith, who was the founder of FedEx. All very interesting folks to, to hear about. The JFK advisor one kind of hmm. draws hmm. a line to hmm. the, the JFK conspiracy of it, but the... the Founder of Federal Express. That was interesting to me. There's also a man named Austin Goolsby. Now, some of these guys in Skull and Bones have some wild names, you know, McGeorge Bundy and Austin Goolsby, who was a part of President Obama's cabinet. And I believe he was one of the youngest cabinet members ever in a cabinet. Well, I mean, besides the ones in the Wayfair cabinets. Yes. Oh, that's true. We will get into that pretty soon. You're just over here dropping absolute bombs. Yeah, I had man. to do it. The scorched <laughs> earth, man. That was rough. <laughs> that was like... Uh, well, he also worked with George H.W. Bush, our 41st president, his son, G-Dubs, the 43rd president, and John Kerry, who we all know who he is. Wonderful. And the butt end of a lot of jokes with his giant forehead. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never heard of a John Kerry forehead joke. No, me either. You got that five head, bro. I got to look into it. Do you think they had a special name for him in, in Skull and Bones <laughs> due to his big ass <laughs> forehead? John Big Cranium Carry. <laughs> well, you may be wondering about the membership or the rituals regarding the Skull and Bones. Only since the early 1990s were women allowed 
in Skull and Bones, and 15 men and women of the junior class were selected to join the society annually. Skull and Bones taps, or brings in, those that it views as campus leaders and other notable figures for its membership, and selects new members among students every spring as part of Yale University's Tap Day. Oh, I thought that was like tapping kegs. And has done so since 1879. Uh, is it with a paddle? Uh, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Tap Day? Tap that ass. I had a quick thought. I wonder if there's any correlation of members that were part of Skull and Bones that are now part of Bohemian Grove. I keep drawing that line in my head, too. There was a couple folks, I believe. I can only imagine. Just from what we've talked about, you have the Bushes. The Bushes were obviously part of Bohemian Grove also. It does make me wonder if there are any other double members. Well, if you're into that sort of thing and you get into weird little secret society like this, who's to say that you're not up for another one? And if you have the power and the prominent presence to do so, I don't see why they wouldn't. You can find out certain things about it, but you can't deep dive unless you talk to a member, and that's if they disclose. We have to infiltrate. Yeah, you have to be a part of it. You have to become a new recruit. And becoming a new recruit sounds like a fucking plethora of fun. <laughs> new recruits are berated with sexual insults. Like, your dick is tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Shit like that. So Shit that's got to be a lot of fun to watch in a cloak. And they're forced to kneel and kiss a skull at the feet of the initiators. And sounds like our rituals. Right? And say. yeah. Fresh and bear they watch... As other members do like a throat cutting ritual too. Like it's really cool. So I, I think that would be a lot of fun just to watch somebody just get berated, be like, oh, your dick is so small and just have them just keep going at them until that person just cries. I mean, <laughs> like that's, and then they're beating them with a paddle, throat cutting a fake person. I mean, geez, count me in. <laughs> Sounds fun. Give me a good old slap in New Haven. <laughs> other reports cite ceremonies in which members dressed as the devil or a skeleton and in robes to recite the club's death mantra. Sounds like a ghost concert. <laughs> <laughs> they would dress up and chant, the hangman equals death, the devil equals death, death equals death. Initiates are told they must die to the barbarian world and be reborn in the Elysian company of the order. Mm. This kind of goes hand in hand with the uh, Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Except without the full suicide part of it or the sick nike decades you think skull and bones members are picking up slick nike decades def not they definitely have the money for nike decades they don't have the style it's like oh now you're skull and bones you're boner now here's here's your penny loafers <laughs> <laughs> with little skull pennies on them yeah. eat your applesauce <laughs> The number 322, 322 appears in Skull and Bones insignia and is widely reported to be significant as the year of Greek orator Demosthenes' death during the Lamian War. I would imagine that took place in 322 BC-ish. There's also reports of it representing the 1932 Second Corps, referring to some corpsmen, I guess you can say. 
in an unknown German university or even a German regiment. And I don't believe that they start their calendar year with the year zero. They start at 332 mm-hmm. BC. Hmm. I guess goes hand in hand with Demosthenes. And if you've ever seen, there are some clips where John Kerry and George W. Bush are going back and forth on like television broadcasts. We're like, oh, we can't talk about that. <laughs> How ominous. I know. It just screams that there probably was some weird sexual tension going on in those rooms. It's a little like cringy, really. We got a couple of little miscellaneous fun facts on the Skull and Bones. The Secret Society has a reputation for stealing keepsakes from other Yale societies or from campus buildings in general. Society members reportedly call the practice crooking. <laughs> Get crooked. So they just run around in their fucking robes and they're just stealing random things that are important around steal. Yale. <laughs> I'll take this. (laughs) The little driveway reflectors. Or like the scanner that they use in the library (laughs) to check in the books. (laughs) (laughs) Things that are important but replaceable. You guys want to go screw up the Dewey Decimal System in the library? (laughs) (laughs) Totally ominous. You guys want to assassinate a president? What? (laughs) (laughs) Stop it, John. (laughs) The society has been accused of possessing the stolen skulls of Martin Van Buren, who was the eighth president from 1837 to 1841. Also, Geronimo was a prominent leader and medicine man from the Badon Kohai band of the Apache people. Mm. They are just holding on to these skulls of random people throughout history, like some weird Futurama shit. That lines up with kissing skulls. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine actually kissing real rotting? Like, just like, oh, well, we took all the flesh. We defleshed it. It's 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 fine. Just. <laughs> you have to kiss Martin's skull. It's been dead since 1841. So kiss Give it. Martin a kiss. <laughs> kiss it or you have a small wiener. <laughs> there was also a movie, if you are interested, in 2006. It was called The Good Shepherd. And it was starring Matt Damon and was Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> was loosely written about James Jesus Angleton's life. So check that out. Interesting movie if you haven't seen it. I believe they do have some hazing and paddling in that mm. movie. If you're interested, like <laughs> there's more interesting movies that feature paddling. Yes. <laughs> They're more worth your time than a Matt Damon flick. All right. Terrible. That wraps up Skull and Bones. And boys, I want to get into final thoughts. We didn't really, uh, we didn't touch the final thoughts for Agenda 21. So let, let's talk the Agenda 21 final thoughts. David, thoughts on Agenda 21? Like you, I could probably go on a 20 minute rant about it. I'm going to keep it not 20 mm-hmm. minutes. It's frightening. If it is something that is going on or is planned, we are well deep in the middle of whatever's happening. And if you can take some of the things that we've talked about on Reddit on this show. Also, one thing I want to say about this. If all these billionaires are tweeting that they're going to Antarctica, doesn't that kind of make you raise a flag thinking, well, why was Hitler looking for shit in Antarctica? And why is Antarctica only owned by people basically from the UN? I think India might have a slice, but that's about it. 
Why were they looking so much in Antarctica? Is, was it Agartha? Was it hidden pyramids and alien bases that they're all running away from some massive magnetic shift, which I guess that would create a major EMP like stated. I think that there's good evidence that supports that we are in the middle of some type of major weird depopulation event that's probably been going on since our parents were kids. It's just been slow burning. Now we're in a place to where they got them psychologically. Now I think the slow burn is going to be a little bit more foot on the gas in the next couple of years. Say so we're going to have a very interesting couple of years as we've had in our 20s of the 21st century. I really hope that we all don't have to broadcast this from a FEMA camp this time next year. That would be the end of the Hush Hush Society as we know it. They're probably listening right now. We'll be in the FEMA camps and we'll still bring you debriefings. (laughs) We'll make sure that we're in the same FEMA camp. But all in all, I think it's a frightening concept that we may be living in some weird dystopian hell or on the verges of a tipping point of being in some place where full totalitarian one world government seems to be a theme for our live shows. Mm -hmm. Our last one was NWO, but a lot of evidence to support this. And it scares me. Thank you for the Reddit conspiracy (laughs) that totally kind of glued everything together for me and makes me never want to leave my fucking house. That's what they want. You're easier to control. Yeah, I think it's it's scary to think that we could be going through, uh, like with COVID-19, a depopulation event. And it makes sense with some of the things that we've talked about. Getting rid of the sickly stock, ironically, they call it stock, maintaining some type of level. We can't disagree that 7.7 billion people, it's unsustainable. It is. Now they're figuring out some way to make it work. So fake asteroid, pandemic. Whatever your fancy could all be happening, folks. But you said the conspiracy theorists were fucking nuts. That's my final thoughts on Agenda 21. I'm ready. I hope you're all ready. I'll try to restrain myself a little bit. Just the thing about Agenda 21 that we may not have mentioned, both the Ford and Rockefeller Foundations have invested lots of money into Agenda 21. Why? We may not know. Huge companies and huge foundations like that usually really don't give a fuck about the environment or sustainability or anything like that. And you can go through the history of those foundations and see that they really never cared about it until it came to Agenda 21. So that's kind of sus in itself. Now, as we talked about having your own personal land and moving you out of rural areas and dense cities so that you can be contained and they can watch this population. And another part of it is building massive apartment buildings. So I'm talking like a la Shanghai, China. They build these massive, massive apartments that are 30, 50 stories high, and there's almost a thousand apartments per building. That's what you're moving into with Agenda 21 because you get into that condensation of population. This also could be backed by a company called BlackRock Asset Management. Now, if you don't know about BlackRock Asset Management, currently there's a housing boom going on. If you're a person who's trying to buy a house right now, you're going to see that a lot of the values of houses are very high and people are paying a lot of money over asking prices for houses. Well, there is this company, BlackRock, that is going around and they are buying houses. And nobody knows why. Yes, they're an asset management company, but they're buying them up by the hundreds, by the thousands. And BlackRock is also backed by the Federal Reserve. That's an odd one. Uh, You have pretty much a private company that is backed by the federal government. 
and funded, you could say, funded by the federal government. And they're buying up these apartment buildings, they're buying up housing, and what they're doing is driving up the price of rent. So now you're being pushed and pushed further out of the market for housing, and that in itself may come as a solution from BlackRock where they go, okay, well, you pay $1,800 a month for a one-bedroom apartment that you can no longer afford, so why don't we set you up in one of our big apartment buildings here, and you can pay $800 a month for a one-bedroom. And nobody's going to pass up on that, especially if you're hard up on money. You know, is it possible that BlackRock is helping to push this, quote, sustainability from Agenda 21? It's very possible, but it's something to think about. When it comes down to control, and we barely talked about vaccines and what's going on in the current climate of the world, it may be partially about depopulation. You have some people that'll take the vaccine and they'll die from it. You have some people that will be vaccinated and they'll get COVID and die from it. You'll have people that are unvaccinated get COVID and die from it. There is a lot of people that have died over the course of these past couple of years, and that population is dropping while at the same time kind of rising because babies are still born. I don't know. Either way, start looking at something that has really popped up in the past couple of years and really grown in popularity. Digital currency, cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency, everybody's making this big move towards cryptocurrency. Entire countries' governments have moved to cryptocurrency. So now imagine it's not about being chipped when you go and get your vaccine. It's about that vaccine passport. That vaccine passport now turns into a digital ID. That digital ID now turns into your digital wallet. Your digital wallet contains all the money that you make from your job now. Now the U.S. is saying, okay, companies can pay you in Bitcoin or pay you in Ethereum or pay you. So now you're getting these, these cryptocurrencies as your pay. And the government can have control over that. Anything that's digital, the government can have control over. As we move closer to a health passport or a, a vaccine passport or an ID passport, you move closer to a digital currency. And a digital currency will always be controlled by someone else. So is it do this or you won't have any money for your family? Do this or you won't be able to eat? Do this or you won't be able to, you know, who knows? Who knows the lengths that governments can go to? As you guys have listened to plenty of our debriefings and plenty of our show, you've seen the atrocious things that governments have done and will do for control of a population. My final thoughts on Agenda 21 are, we are in it. We are in the thick of it. Sustainability, it's a costume. It's a, it's a disguise. We're doing this for the betterment of you, but at what cost? Frank, final thoughts. Frank's final thoughts. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it, man. It's not even a question of if this is a thing or not. It's not a question of if you should be afraid or not. It's right there for you. You can read it on the United Nations website. You can download it as a PDF. It's over 350 pages and it is an action plan on how to change the world like you said they're disguising it to be for the better and the means of how to carry it out aren't exactly clear on a hundred percent of it there's no representation of what can be shadowed and layered underneath this face of what the plan is 
it definitely seems as though we're in the thick of it, especially when you when you take into the Georgia Guidestones into account. I don't know how reliable that is as a source in this whole entire subject, but it seems as though on a global scale, there's some sort of depopulation going on. It's just become normal for on the day-to-day basis for people to just be consuming and doing things that are absolutely terrible, that are absolutely going to shorten your lifespan and that are absolutely going to cripple you as a healthy human being. And it seems almost intentional. Mike made an absolutely great point with all of the properties and with BlackRock. There's no denying any of it. I think it's right in our faces, and it's terrifying. That's all I have on that. If you want to talk about the biggest topic we've ever talked about, this is probably one. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very hard to research this topic. There's a lot of cookie cutter information. Oh, you can read through the report and you can read through the report and you don't see anything. You have to really branch out and really, really look at other things. Some of the things that we talked about today, we all agreed. It is a frightening perspective to think that this is happening and that we are in the thick of it. And we could be at the beginning. We could be in the latter stages. Who the fuck knows, man? Only time will tell, right, guys? I don't think we're past the point of no return. I think we can still turn it around. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do, but resist, I guess. That's that's the best thing you can do. It's the best thing you can do. But all right, friends. So that will do it for the show. Let's talk about season five. We got some things in store for season five, and we just want to let you guys in on it as you guys are our hushlings and we love you. We have some exciting things coming for season five and beyond. We're going to be starting our Twitch channel. I know that seems kind of weird, but we're going to start this Twitch channel. The three of us will be playing games on it, I'm sure, at some point. Maybe not all together. Maybe individually, you'll be able to catch us on there. Yeah, it doesn't matter the game. I think we just all unanimously decided that, you know, if somebody wants to play some games and go on there and shoot some shit, kind of the same thing with Discord. If you if you haven't joined our Discord, like Mike said, check our link. I believe you said it was the top navigation bar. You can find our Discord link on our website. And I'm sure Twitch will be along the same lines. We will be discussing, I mean, conspiracy theories, anything we really want to talk about, you guys bring the discussion. We are also going to be doing more live discussions, and if you have Twitter, they will be on Twitter Spaces, which we tried to do today, but Twitter decided to technically fuck us, (laughs) and we will not be broadcasting on StreamYard or Facebook during those discussions, so you can enjoy us via Twitter. (laughs) Twitter. Those are going to be good ones, too. I, I, we've done one so far. Bruce Fenton. Bruce Fenton, yeah. Good times. We'll probably do some with other guests as or collaborators as well, uh, maybe other podcasts. Definitely stay tuned for those. We will let you all know when those are happening before they're happening. It's a scary thought, being raw, raw and unfiltered. Being raw. More, f- more frequently. <laughs> I think we do a great job being raw and unfiltered. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Makes the live shows better. We raw dog ourselves <laughs> right through that shit. <laughs> well, Hushlings, that is going to conclude our fourth live debriefing about Agenda 21 and Skull and Bones. What were your thoughts? Did we miss anything? Was there anything that we should have discussed? Should we have complied and gotten into our bunk and stayed in the shelter, <laughs> gotten our jabs, and got our figgy pudding. <laughs> Get your $100 Visa gift card. We're giving away yeah. donuts for the jab. You can reach us at 
contact at hushhusssociety.com. Reach out to us. Talk to us. You know, say hello. We love you. Be sure to join us for our 41st debriefing and premiere of season five, where we will delve into an extremely delicate subject matter, which will be Holocaust denial. That will be streaming everywhere Monday, January 31st. Mm. And Hushlings, yeah, this one is going to be a touchy one. Probably the touchiest one we've ever done. For sure. it probably won't be one episode. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling it'll be multiple. Yeah. Two, three, maybe even four into season six. We haven't fully articulated the details on this one yet, but it is Mm -hmm. coming Mm -hmm. January 31st. And we are excited to start our season five. Can I say something about this? People don't like to be called Holocaust deniers. It's Holocaust revisionism is what I've, really? what I've seen. So, Hushlings, thank you for joining us, the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mr. Mike. And I'm Slick Frog Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.